why is it important that we use the life promotion lens when we're talking about suicide prevention? We want to know what it is to live a better life and how can we do that? And instead of always using suicide, because we already know Indigenous youth are committing suicides at a higher rate than non-Indigenous youth. That's one of the main reasons, like I believe, and like um, what we've talked with as me and Connor have worked uh, side by side on our on the toolkit that we developed for Thunderbird Partnership Foundation is that we want to know what it is to live a good life. And those are the activities that we put in there to showcase that, showcase life promotion. So really switching, switching from that focus on, on suicide prevention and more to the positive strength-based way of promoting life, right? Would you would you say that that's a good, good way of defining that, Connor? Yeah, I think definitely when we're talking about suicide prevention, we're, we're focusing on that detriment, on that deficit-based approach of like, what are we preventing? What are we coming from? Whereas when we talk about life promotion, we are talking about promoting life, that strength-based approach that what do we have that is good that we can continue to promote in our communities rather than focus on the, the things that we are lacking. I think it really speaks to how we look at culture, how we look at health and and just wellness in our communities. Uh, it's, it's very important to focus on what we have and, and the strength that we have in our communities in order to prosper, in order to not trigger people and make them feel like they are lacking or they are less than because they're Indigenous. That is really like the focus um, of, of life promotion. That's Connor Lafortune, along with Gabrielle Jubinville. They're both leaders of Thunderbirds Youth Action Group for Life Promotion and our guests on this episode of Minopamadzwan, a podcast brought to you by the Thunderbird Partnership Foundation. I'm your host, Sherry Huff. Minopamadzwan means living the good life, something we all hope for. It's in the language of the Anishinaabe. Our podcast aims to seek and share insight about addictions and mental health issues that many in our families and communities deal with every day. We aim to have fearless conversations with some of the leading voices in Indigenous wellness. On today's episode, we're going to explore life promotion and suicide prevention. Indigenous people in Canada die by suicide at a rate three times the national rate. The rate of suicide among young First Nations is six times higher. Thunderbird has been working with youth to develop a response to suicide, mental wellness and substance use in Indigenous communities. The result is a new resource called Strengthening Our Connections to Promote Life, a life promotion toolkit by Indigenous youth. It's available online at thunderbirdpf.org. And we're thrilled to welcome two of the young people who played a key role in pulling that toolkit together. Gabrielle Jubinville is a Hope Ambassador with We Matter, a former U.S. Division I college basketball player and a proud member of the Enoch Cree Nation in Treaty 6 territory in Alberta. We reached her in Brandon, Manitoba, where she works for Big Brothers Big Sisters of Westman and the Women's Resource Centre. And Connor Lafortune is an Anishinaabek writer, poet, and activist from the Dokis First Nation on Robinson Huron Territory of 1850. He just finished his third year at Nipissing University with a double honors major in Indigenous Studies and Gender Equality and Social Justice with a minor in Legal Studies. Welcome to you both. Hi. My name is Gabrielle Jubinville, and 
My name that I said in Korea is Four Winds Women, and I'm super happy to be here, Sherry Huff, and with Connor, talk with you more about life promotion and the work that we've done together. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Ani Kanawea, Nimkins and Dishnakaz, Oki Kendan Donjuba, Beneshin Dondem, and Ishnabanin and Dao. My name is Connor Lafortun. I am a Francophon Indigenous person from the Keys, uh, beautiful, two beautiful islands surrounded by the French River. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for, for having us. Awesome. I'm so glad. So you know where I want to start first with you both? And I don't know how often you get this because I know you guys talk about life promotion a lot, but let's talk about the language we use here. Life promotion. You know, I guess it started happening a few years ago um, with youth who were um, involved in, in various in various uh, councils, including the AFN Youth Council, I think was the first time I became aware of it, where youth pushed back on, you know, you know, we know that suicide is an issue in, in our communities. We know that it's happening. But a few years back, you know, youth started pushing back and saying they wanted to shift from talking about death and dying. They wanted to talk about, you know, what, what do we have to live for? How do we live a good life? What are the tools we need to to draw from? Can can Gabrielle? Can you speak to that a little bit more? Why is it why is it so important to, that we make this shift in in our society? I think due to living out in community and or in urban areas, usually from the intergenerational trauma that was passed down through residential schools, that not a lot of the Older folks wanted to talk. Not, not None of them wanted to speak their languages. And the youth wanted that because that's part of their identity. And they were getting taught that at home, like where they should be, how they can be proud of their Indigenous identity. I know, especially like just going to do presentations with, as an ambassador of We Matter, like doing presentations out in remote areas, remote First Nation communities that even though they knew how to hunt and they knew they knew their language, like there was just still kind of something wrong. Like there's a lot that goes into it, even though culture is one of the main things. There's just like being proud, using that positive language instead of always using lateral violence, which is like one of the deficits that our community faces daily. Right. And so I know, Connor, you, you identify yourself as a French-speaking, queer, urban, Indigenous person. Tell me, how have you drawn f- your, from your life experiences in this life promotion work? Have, have, have you been able to kind of connect, you know, what your experiences have been to this, to this work in life promotion? Definitely. Um, and it, I, I've come from a rural community, which I have a very hard time with rolling that R. Um, but yeah so not not urban communities grew up very much so in the bush surrounded by land and culture and things like that um in in different ways uh i am uh francophone it's it is my first language i learned english very later on in life uh and it it is something that's difficult to navigate in indigenous communities because there's the assumption the outside assumption that we we all speak english or we all speak this and we all um perform in this this specific way of culture and i think that for me being queer being francophone um, that intersection of different identities allowed me to open so many doors for my understanding of people and my understanding of, of how I can exist in these different spaces. Um, there are so many opportunities that have, like this opportunity of just speaking and being able to be proud, um, especially being just youth and, and being felt, felt like I like I'm being heard and understood and, and allowing us to do that, that good work 
And I think when it comes to life promotion and suicide prevention and things like that, there's a shift that, that exists uh, between suicide prevention being a very Western system and translating that to life promotion where it's culture-based, where it's people-based, where it's it's on experience and 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 gifts and beautiful things that we, we can we can collaborate on and we can exist as. I think when it comes to being like queer and francophone and indigenous, there's that understanding of like not fitting into those Western boxes and not fitting into a system that is continually tried to oppress you, that's tried to restrict you and tell you what you need to be in this world. And I think that with that, that those identities that kind of play into each other, I'm meeting people that that have never met either an indigenous person, a francophone person, a queer person, and I'm able to really navigate those spaces with the understanding of, of, of that difference and with the understanding that I can I can change their their views on people. Um, and I think for me, it has been something that has just been, you know, it has been to my detriment in certain situations with mental health and things like that, but it has been such an advantage for me to, to understand myself fully as a person walking in Turtle Island today. Um, and I, I strive to, to, you know, inspire others to, to walk that way as well. Gabrielle, tell me about you. Uh, you know, many people believe things happen for a reason. What about you? What's your story? You know, how did your experience in life lead you to uh, be an advocate of life promotion? I played basketball at a high level, like for most of my life. And it took me taking a break from that to kind of find out like where my voice, how to use my voice and where it was at. Um, Basketball was my voice for a lot of years, and that was kind of like my lifeline that helped me get through um, life trials and um, just the intergenerational trauma that residential school has done to my family. Um, and then I took that I took that year off. I was still in school in 2018, 2019, and then uh, in the beginning of 2019 or the middle of it, um, I signed up for We Matter. Um, to be in Hope of Ambassador and that that really opened a lot of doors uh, towards life promotion and how I can be a part of it as a youth youth advocate and I would say like being an advocate there's just so many ways you can be an advocate as well you don't always have to be out there speaking against everything be um What's that word called when you're marching? Protesting? <laughs> yeah, protesting. protesting. Um, I definitely wasn't that kind of advocate. I was more um, behind the scenes, helping, um, doing, starting to do presentations, starting to talk more about my story and how it was beneficial to young people that you can dream big and you can do anything that you put your mind to because that's what really I did playing basketball. That's kind of where where it started for me. That's great. I guess I'm I'm curious with like life promotion, Connor. Um, you know, there's there's lots of amazing tools in this kit. Um, you know, it's I know it's 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 right now it's it's one of the more popular resources we have uh, available at Thunderbird Partnership Fo- Partnership Foundation. And we have many that are very popular, but this one's very popular because it was developed by youth. Can you speak to you know you know one thing in the toolkit? Maybe, I don't know if you can pick one thing, your favorite thing, you know, the one thing that you want, you know, young people and, and anyone really to, to, to see, to, to spend time with and to think about. Wow, that's a really good question. First, I'd like to say I'm so glad to hear that it is a popular resource because it is our baby and we've been so proud to put it out and share it with the world. Um, 
That's a really tough question because there are so many amazing different activities and knowledge bundles that we've we've put into that toolkit. I think personally for me, the um, activities with self were very important. Um, you know, we can we can build our community with land and with community and with um, our connection, sorry, with land and community and things like that. But when we have to sit down with ourselves, I think that's when it becomes very hard. Mm. Um, and it, it, there's no one else but yourself to hold you accountable. And for me, that was the section that I, I really wanted to put all of myself in because it was easy to talk about the land and going, oh, you can go fishing or you can go for a walk. And, you know, for a community, yeah, just go see your grandparents, have a bingo night, things like that. Like that was just easy. It was very, not at surface level, but it became very natural to me. I think when we sat down and talked about the connection to self, I had to really reflect on my own and being like, what really, what could I do for other people to help, to help their, their connection to self? And what can I do? How can I really practice what I'm telling people to do? Um, and one of the activities that I, I really loved working on was an activity on fidgeting and on, on the importance of movement and the importance of, of really allowing yourself to, to live in that, that, that movement. Um, I'm someone who fidgets all the time. You can probably see at the bottom of my screen, I'm always doing something with my hands. And I find a lot of comfort in doing that. And for me, sometimes, you know, Gabrielle will attest to this. I'm always beating or I'm drawing or I'm writing because I have to keep that movement. And, that, and the way I framed it in the, in the activity is that we've always been moving people. We've always needed to move to survive. If you stop moving in your canoe and you hit something, you drowned. Or mm -hmm. if you stop moving and there were animals, you know, you didn't get dinner and things like that. So we are naturally, we are moving people. We are, we are people who like to, to continue going. And I think that's one thing that it allowed me to, to really found, find a space in that movement and, and allow myself to, to decolonize these, these Western spaces that we have online where we're stuck at a desk all the time and we have to look into the camera and we have to ca have our camera on and, and things like that. So for me, it really allowed the space to just be like, you can bead and, and do a meeting and you can um, work on your regalia and during a meeting and you can do all of these things to, to remove this Western space of, of like rigidity and, and rules and, and to really break free from that. And so that, that, that section really allowed me to, to show kindness to myself, to, to promote that kindness within our communities. And I think that is the, the section that has affected me the most throughout uh, the journey after having created it. Oh, that's really interesting. You know, I, I, I agree with you. I've, I've, seen, I've seen a lot of people in our training, for example, at Thunderbird, you know, people who are, are beading, people who are knitting, um, you know, doing different things, coloring, drawing. And in fact, I think we, we provide some, some activities and some, you know, resources to help people um, do things with their hands while the facilitators, the trainer is speaking and, and, and sharing information. And, and I find that a lot of people, it creates a safe space for people and and they are listening it's like you said it's not that western approach because you know how many times where you know do we get in trouble for not paying attention or doodling or you know doing whatever and, and it's kind of seen as a negative but i'm glad i'm glad you i'm glad you really mentioned that and knowing that about yourself spending time with yourself to kind of get to know what what works for you right how about you gabrielle is there is there is there anything in that toolkit that really speaks to you that that you want to you know highlight for people who might be listening in today i really enjoyed the spirituality part because that was probably the hardest to create um as a core group together um because we all come from different backgrounds and we also we don't represent all the backgrounds because 
spirituality was different to each and every one of us. Even, for example, like me and my partner, uh, Marshall Morso, he was on the, he was one of the youth leaders on the toolkit and like we're both Cree, but like we both have different ways of going about like ceremony and um, just what spirituality meant to us. And um, I I think it was really awesome because there's this one part about like um, uh, knowing your stories um, like where you come from, like develop, like what are your creation stories, and we were able to find so many and link them um, to the toolkit on the internet. So if you're on the internet, you can click on that. <laughs> you couldn't click on it if you had it printed. Um, but there was just there was just like so many amazing creation stories and just getting to hear about them and like knowing where we're from and um, um, yeah, like. That was that was one of my favorite parts developing that section of the toolkit because everyone had such amazing stories and amazing amazing input on what spirituality meant to them. You know, you, you you talk about you talk about spirituality and and I know Connor, you talked about connections to the land and and connections to identity and self. And I know that throughout the toolkit, there are many ways um, that the toolkit provides people a way to connect with culture, return to indigenous values. Um, you know, what does culture and returning to those indigenous values and ways of doing and knowing, what does that do for our wellness when we're, when we're looking, you know, at life promotion? I think I first want to start with a lot of people have a hard time when we talk about indigenous things, like on the, on the outside perspective, non-indigenous people, when they're looking into our spaces, they have a hard time when we they cannot identify what we are doing as being inherently indigenous. So if there's no feathers, if there's no chants, if there's no drums, if there's no beadwork, then they are in their minds they cannot assign it indigeneity. And I think that's that's that tokenistic view is what we avoided throughout the toolkit. We didn't assume that just because you were indigenous you wanted to do this, this, and that. There's the the understanding of we are all people, we are all separate people, and that. Indigeneity isn't something that other people have to assign to us. It is things that we inherently are living and breathing and things like that. So when it comes to using using culture as a way to reconnect with ourselves, to reconnect with the land, to connect with, with people around us, it was a very simple understanding of who we are as people, who we are as beings and vessels and with spirit. And, and, and it isn't something that is the same for everyone. And so my understanding is probably very different than Gabrielle's but and, and the other people on our team and everyone reading the toolkit, but it, it's returning to our basic understandings as humans, as, as being, as living creatures. And I think that's that's one thing that when we talk about, you know, the, the laws against our ceremonies and the, law, the laws against our personhood in, in on Turtle Island, people don't understand how the effects of that have been a detriment to our people. So say when they, when they banned powwow and ceremony and things like that, they just, Oh, it's just something that they do. It's when it's like when we do square dancing or it's like when we do, you know, this and that without understanding that it was our physical health, it was our mental health, our emotional health and our spiritual health all combined. And so when we lost that connection to our ceremonies, to our, you know, just even being able to gather and talk, and eat and feast and things like that have been so like essential to to our our understanding of wellness and our understanding of, of just living that minimum and so when we 
when we talked about in the toolkit, we talked about that intention of like, these are the things that we are bringing back into our communities. These are the things that we want others to, to reignite, to discover what, what they did, to discover what they could do with, with the knowledge. We have a, these amazing elders that we work with, so Ed Con- Dr. Ed Connors and, and John Rice, and they talk about how this is, this is our world, he, you know, how the, the previous generation can't tell our generation how to live culture and how to, to, to be because this is the world that we are living in. These are the teachings that we are, that we are hearing and, and we are, are promoting and, and using in, in the good way that we know how to do. And so when we talk about the toolkit and, and using those, those, those aspects of balance, I think it's, it's so left to interpretation that it's, it's, almost, it's almost so basic that people don't even want to scratch the surface of it. I think that's the beauty of, of the toolkit and keeping it living and keeping it adaptable because our understanding of, of self and of healing and of health is, is so drastically different, first of all, from Western health, but also between nations and between um, states of being. And so I think just the toolkit is, is such an amazing resource and, and the people that, that we've created it with just to understand ourselves in this world. That's very well said. And, and I, I guess that, that you know, I, I want to throw the same question to, to, to Gabrielle. You know what? What? What do you think? Um, you know, culture and and returning to indigenous ways of doing, you know, does for supporting how we live life, life promotion. It's kind of like taking your power back in who you are and you know where you're from and even like just going out, like going out to ceremonies. Like every single person was a part of that ceremony and everyone served a purpose. Everyone had a role in the community and how to take care of the community and now that is not the case we live in such a capitalistic world and we have to find different ways to you know it it's just really hard to like fit I don't even know like we just don't have our roles anymore like especially especially when we do kind of come back to our community it is still hard but I think it's kind of just like knowing that we are always kind of in ceremony as like ourselves. And sometimes we do forget like even just like the simple, the simplest thing as like smudging in your home, saying a prayer um, that is ceremony within itself. I think those are the lessons that we learn as we kind of go back and take our culture back and go to these ceremonies and be with community is that those are the kind of things that we're able to learn like by ourselves there's there's just so much and it it is unfortunate that like a lot was taken and we're still learning and yeah absolutely but i i wanted i wanted to invite connor back in because i i think he might have something additional to say but i'm not 100 percent sure i mean if you give me the mic i will have something to say <laughs> you got the mic <laughs> please share please share i think that it's what's so important about this work is that we are reclaiming our stories and we are learning the stories that we're living right now and we're able to we're finally able to live the stories that that the elders have been telling us about and i think that's one thing that has been so amazing about this work just the the growth that that i've had in this past year um working on the project and, and the growth that our team has had just as a unit we are living we're living the life that those ancestors tell are telling us about. And I think that that's this thing that's so important. Um, and it, it gives me so much hope for the future and the, and all of the indigenous youth that just keep us going. It is, it is because of them. It is for them. And they'll be the reason that, that, that our culture stays alive and keeps prospering. That's a really good thought. And I, I know that there's a lot of hope in the work that you guys have done, you know, with the toolkit and, you know, hoping that it, you know, gets into the hands of, of, 
of young people, of, you know, community members of any age. Um, and, and even, you know, the people who are maybe delivering community programs and services, you know, if they want to take an Indigenous approach to support life promotion, suicide prevention, what, what role do you think, um, you know, when it comes to life promotion, what role do you think community programs and services play in supporting life and, 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 and kind of using tools like this? And, and there are other tools too, no doubt. You know, but what role do, do community programs and services play in, in supporting life promotion, you think? I think it just gives accessibility. I think that's the biggest thing that we're missing um, in our communities is having accessibility. Like, for example, like Thunderbird Partnership giving us the money and resources to build the toolkit that we've built. Like, you don't really see that that often. You know, it does cost money to, like, have beads to, um, you know, cost money like gas, like, to go to ceremony and stuff like that. Their programs like out in the community are giving the resources to indigenous people to be a part of that because at the end of the day we're not recreating the circle we're just trying to make everything as accessible as possible so indigenous folks can be a part of this unity that we're trying to create for life promotion and that everyone has um, the chance to learn and to grow. For anyone listening into this conversation today Connor, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll direct this one at you. And Gabby, feel free to jump in. But what would you say, what would you tell, you know, whoever's listening right now, if they have someone or maybe they themselves, you know, might not be feeling a very strong connection to life and not feeling a strong connection to who they are? Um, what would you say to them? This is a, a really good and very personal question. I think that um, something that I would have liked to hear is that I see you you're here and you are heard, you are seen, and you are valued as a person. You are valued not because of your attributes, not because of your what you provide to the world, but because you are, because you exist. You are not what you do. You are not what you are learning or how you can contribute to the, the world or what you give to other people. You are valued because you exist. And that is the simplest way you do not need to provide to anything. You do not need to give to be valued. I think in the, in the Western system, we're always, when we talk about suicide prevention, it's often like, oh, you're going to leave your mother behind. Oh, you're going to make someone sad. And I want to avoid that completely because you are allowed to exist simply because you exist. You don't have to feel bad. And I think a lot of people use that guilt mentality when it comes to um, avoiding the conversations of, of premature premature death or they, they feel like oh if I guilt them enough then they'll stay and I absolutely always hated that take because you are allowed to simply exist without feeling guilty without being made to feel like you are hurting someone if you leave you are allowed to to be grieved and to be wanted simply because you are and there are so many other things that I that I want to say but it really comes down to to being seen, to being heard, and to know that you're not alone because many, if not most of us, have felt in some way the way that you are feeling right now. And I hate that it gets better, and I refuse to say it, but there are ways that we can make it better with with resources like this, with conversations, and with, with people who are like-minded. I definitely have to agree with Connor. Um, 
at the end of the day, we all have the answers ourselves. We just go to people to talk about it, to understand for ourselves. And like Connor said, we just want to be heard. Our story wants to be heard. And we can't ask, you know, people to stay on this earth, like Mother Earth, you know, their success, even just like saying like success means there's so many ways to be successful in this world. Um, success means can have so many different meanings to so many different people. And I truly believe everyone matters. The, this is the reason why we do this. It's it's great work. And I really hope people can use this. Yeah. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about? in this interview, in this conversation that we didn't, that we didn't touch on? I think something that I like to mention is that we often get asked like, oh, what is the goal of the toolkit? What is the goal of all of this work? And like, what if people don't use it? Or what if very little people use it? And I always respond with, even if one person looks at it and it changes a fraction of their life or makes them rethink something, then it's worth it. Then the hours that have been put in and the effort and the stories that have been shared, if it if it helps one person, then it is worth it. And I would do it all over again to save one other person. I think that people need to know that they are valued and that they are loved. And this work puts that in hyper focus because we even creating the toolkit we wanted to add so many things we wanted to just be like we want this in it we want this in it because we want we want people to sit down and be able to be like i'm here i'm seen and i have everything at my disposal and we obviously aren't able to do that but we just we just put so much love into it and um, i think that's the thing that we, we really want people to know and there's there's just so many resources like it's 100 pages long <laughs> <laughs> including the resources it's it's really beautiful thank you for that and and i you know i i always end the podcast the same way with our guests i don't know if you know but i ask a question that you know helps people think about hope i always ask you know what gives you hope and many times people tell us it's the youth the youth give us hope but you guys are youth so i'm really curious how would you answer that question? Connor? See, my answer is going to be the youth as well. Really? Um, I think culture gives me hope. Um, it gives me a sense of belonging that I've, I've never felt before. I felt belonging, but on a very different scale. I've Like Gabrielle, I've played sports. Mine were hockey and baseball, but it's the same idea of that community. Mm-hmm. But culture is it's such an adaptive space that is that is everywhere and it's not limited to one spot or one building it's it's everywhere and i can see it in everything and it gives me so much hope to see it around me whether it's someone wearing a medicine wheel or it's someone talking about indigenous rights whether that be an indigenous or non-indigenous person i can see culture everywhere i look in the trees and the sky and the birds and everything and that gives me so much hope because it just makes, it reinforces the fact that it, that we're still living, we're still here. And in fact, that's what my tattoo says in the language, Monday, I'm in we are still here. And it, it just gives me so much hope to say that. That's awesome. How about you, Gabrielle? What gives you hope? Yeah, there are youth younger than us. So definitely them. But one of the main things kind of in my life was community. Um, being around like basketball was just being around everyone. Everyone was so 
there's just like so much bondage bondage bonding that kind of goes on um (laughs) bonding that kind of goes on and that that accountability um you know to keep going like in whatever kind of hardship or whatever thing that you're learning or doing um has always really helped has always really helped me and kind of made me the, the successful person that I am um today and yeah just kind of being repetitive on like what um Connor said is community and being out there um with everyone and just like hearing those laughs just like makes me full inside no oh, that's awesome yeah, I really enjoy it it's funny, you know, we, we have a mantra here at Thunderbird, as you know, you know, the outcomes of our Indigenous wellness uh, framework, and that is, you know, the out- outcomes of hope, belonging, meaning and purpose, you know, that we know that when we have those four things, we, we have reached wellness. That's what our elders tell us. And that's what we have been told. But it's funny, you know, when you ask about hope, it's often belonging. And when you ask about belonging, it's often meaning. When you ask about meaning, it's often purpose. And it just kind of is a circle. It just keeps going round and round, you know, how, how connected they are. And I, I, I just really wanted to thank you both for taking time out of your busy schedules, volunteering and working and studying and doing all those wonderful things and taking care of yourselves, I hope. So Anishik, Miigwech, Ekse in Cree as well. Thank you very much. Ekse. Thanks for having us, Sherry. We're so happy to be here. And thanks to all of you for listening. You can see the Life Promotion Toolkit on our website, thunderbirdpf.org. You can also order hard copies there. If you'd like to request a presentation by a member of Thunderbird's Youth Action Group for Life Promotion, email us at info at thunderbirdpf.org. There's also more culturally safe information to support life promotion on one of our websites, wisepractices.ca. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Minoba Modzwin. If you did, we invite you to rate and review us where you listen. It helps to spread the word. And if you haven't already, please subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. For more information on the work of Thunderbird Partnership Foundation, please visit our website. You know it, thunderbirdpf.org. Be sure to follow us on social media. You can also search for us using at thunderbirdpf on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Lapi Anishik. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, I'm Sherry Huff. <laughs>